welcome to Awakening Today. This is a podcast from Awakening Church's School of Faith, where we desire to drop into your feed and encourage you in our Bible reading plan, which is available at awakeningchurch.com. We've been reading through the Old Testament wisdom literature, books like Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs, and Job, so many good things. We're in right now Ecclesiastes 2 through 7 and the beginning of Psalm 119 verses 1 through 32. We're so glad you're with us and we're so glad that you're reading the Bible alongside this podcast. Today, we want to continue talking about Ecclesiastes and Psalms. In last episode, we touched on just the importance of holding them together and how our struggle to find meaning when we have despair or moments of wondering if God is around or God is acting, that the Psalms teach us to not just take it to our mind, that thought of despair, but to take it to God. Well, then something else happens, and Ecclesiastes explores this. And I remember when I was first really studying Ecclesiastes seriously in seminary, one of the professors there was Tim Mackey, who runs the Bible Project now, an amazing thinker, extremely creative person, and just brilliant theologian. And it, when he taught Ecclesiastes, you know, he brought up something that I thought was really important. What he said is that a lot of times people get into Christianity for the wrong reasons. He said, it's pretty common to look at Ecclesiastes and again, do what we talked about last episode and learn to take your despair to God, but then somehow treat God in an unfair, unjust way. And Tim called this the myth of religious fulfillment. A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Proverbs, we talked about the wisdom literature's equation. It's this simple. The righteous will prosper, the wicked will suffer, right? If you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do not do good, you'll be punished. And we talked about how Job messes with that equation. Well, Ecclesiastes and the Psalms mess with that equation too. What Tim meant with the myth of religious fulfillment was this. Many of us get into Christianity or get into faith so that God might enhance our life. What happens when we take that equation to the next level, which is we become religious and start going to church, and, you know, read our Bibles, join a group, do a Bible reading plan maybe, in order that God would bless us. It's a funny little twist on the equation, you see. It's like the equation is that be righteous and, and, and you will not suffer, but the myth of religious fulfillment says, when I become religious, God will bless me. When I become observant of religious things, God will bring me good things. Well, we need not look any further than this current pandemic we're in right now. The coronavirus absolutely destroys this myth of religious fulfillment. Because for us believers, we cannot look at this season and go, well, God is blessing us. No, no. This this is life is not about us getting to know God so that he might do good things in our life. And if you're waking up to this reality, man, I 
I welcome you into the truth here. The truth that the myth of religious fulfillment is exactly that. It's a myth. If we believe our lives will enhance and that God exists to make our life better, we're headed for disappointment. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 26 says this, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. This too is meaningless. That's that word hevel, smoke, like chasing the wind. Ecclesiastes says this whole idea that God gives wisdom to those who please him. And if a sinner becomes wealthy, you know, he'll chase his wealth away. He says, it's chasing the wind. The equation, the religious fulfillment that God exists to enhance your life is meaningless. Do not go down that path. It doesn't work. The wish of religious fulfillment is all about how can God enhance, upgrade my life? He is the thing that comes in and makes my life better. But does he? God comes into our life not to enhance it, but to disrupt it. <laughs> God comes in with force. God is not an upgrade. God is something entirely different. Psalm 119 verse 25, you also read this verse in your Bible reading plan, where the psalmist says this, My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. Maybe you find yourself at the beginning of the end of the myth of religious fulfillment. Maybe for a while it works. Oftentimes it does. You get into the Christianity thing, you start reading your Bible, and things are going well, and you think, hey, my life has been upgraded. But then something happens. A breakup, a betrayal, some sort of sickness, a divorce, this coronavirus, an economic collapse. Who knows what will come? This is why the myth of religious fulfillment is a, is a myth. God does not exist to upgrade our life. The psalmist says this, my soul is clinging to dust, <laughs> to hevel, to meaninglessness. And he says to God, give me life according to your word, your word. Give me life according to your word, not my word. When your soul clings to dust, whether it is worldly dust or religious dust, God's word will give you life. Just read the Psalms and see exactly what happens there. God is the one who we hope in. God is the one who we bring, we talked about this last episode, who we bring our despair and meaninglessness to where we struggle with nihilism and despair and meaninglessness, and we bring that to God. And God comforts us and leads us. I think about what Paul tells Timothy in the New Testament. Paul, this Jesus follower to his protege, Timothy, he says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or Jesus' words where he says, in this world you will have trouble. These are promises in scripture, friends. The myth of religious fulfillment is exactly that. It's a myth. God does not exist to enhance your life. But listen very carefully. Just as trouble will come, 
Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. God comes into our life not as an upgrade, not as an enhancement, but as a disruptive substitute. You see, God does not exist to enhance your life. He exists as your life. Okay, it's a huge difference. God does not exist to enhance your life. He exists as your very life. Your life, meaning in times of uh, plenty, and in your life in times of loss. God exists in your life of happiness, and God exists as your life in your life of pain. The life of Jesus would tell us this. He lived a life of great joy and great sorrow. God is not a God of religious fulfillment. We do not obey him and welcome him into our life so that we can be fulfilled. We welcome him into our life for salvation. You see, many people in the West and in American cultures have trouble with this because they really, really think they've got it made and they just need a little add-on. But when you get to know the poor, and when you get to know the destitute, you realize the hope of the gospel is not an add-on. It's salvation. It's everything. God comes in and takes our life so that in joy and in sorrow, he is our everything. God is doing something so much bigger in your life. And friend, in the middle of this pandemic, I want to remind you, if you're suffering, if your friends are suffering, your family's suffering, if you're uncertain about economics, you can be certain in this, that God will be with you in everything, every season, because God doesn't exist to enhance your life. He exists as your life. And that means when your life is not enhanced, God is with you. God is creating newness in you. At the end of C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, Mere Christianity, He ends with this point that life in Christ is not an enhancement like the wish of religious fulfillment, but life in Christ is this new replacement. And he says this, he says, niceness or wholesome integrated personality is an excellent thing. But we must not suppose that even if we succeeded in making everyone nice, we should have saved their souls. A world of nice people, content in their own niceness, looking no further, turned away from God, would be just as desperately in need of salvation as a miserable world, and might even more and it might even be more difficult to save. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man beautiful writing. Absolute truth. That's the very last sentences of C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And what he's saying is he says, niceness, this integrated personality, this upgrade, this enhancement. You see, a world full of nice people is not the goal of human life. The goal of human life is a world filled with new kinds of people who encounter God and know him through Christ and know him in suffering, and know him in plenty. 
And Ecclesiastes drives home this point, says, be careful of viewing God as this thing that you use to upgrade your life the same way you use yoga or podcasts or working out or a diet plan. God is nothing like those things. God thunders in and rearranges our life entirely and pushes us towards humility as we hear his gospel. And so, my friend, may you allow God to thunder in. May you allow God to not create you to be a nice person, but a new person. And may his grace and his mercy be with you as you walk through him in these difficult days. We love you guys.